0: You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com.
1: I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve.
2: It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve, and this is a show... For people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet, if you have a question you're embarrassed to text to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347 766 4323. That's 347 Pooh Head. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine and uh, DR Scott WM, Lady Diagnosis, if she ever comes back. She's got a boyfriend now, so we don't see her as much as we used to like, let's record on Saturday. Oh, no, I'm going to Charleston to uh, be on Mark's yacht. And so, okay, well, I don't think we can compete with that. Uh, visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast, medical news, and stuff you can buy, or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly... We're not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician, assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. All right. Very good. Okay. um, Yeah. um, We've got an interesting show today. uh, Talk about a lot of different stuff. But before we do please check out stuff.drsteve.com. The holidays are coming. It's a great way to uh, do your holiday shopping online and also help out your pals at Weird Medicine. So go to stuff.drsteve.com. You can scroll down, see all the different things that we talk about on the show. If you, None of that tickles your fancy, as my uh, high school uh, English professor would say. And then just click through to Amazon. If you use the link at the top of the page, just click. Click right through. Still helps us out. So thank you. Use stuff.drsteve.com. Great stocking stuffers and Hanukkah gifts. Tweaked.audio. Uh, shoot. That's not right. It's tweakedaudio.com. Use offer code FLUID, F-L-U-I-D, for 33% off. That's a big deal of the best earbuds on the market for the price and the best um, customer service anywhere that's tweaked audio.com you want to check out dr scott's stuff i think he has his uh, nasal spray back in stock and it is um, outstanding and it's simply herbals.net if you want to attain your ideal body weight with me do it with me uh, go to noom.drsteve.com that's m.drsteve.com you get two weeks free you've heard about it it's a psychology app it's not a diet Uh, noom.drsteve.com and uh, uh, if you you just use that uh, URL to get there you'll get two weeks free and 20% off if you do decide to sign up and it's not that expensive compared to some other of these programs out there and there's no points unlike some other programs out there that will remain nameless but rhymes with smatchers I guess (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, Noom dot Doctor Steve dot com. Do it with me. I'm at my daily body weight, and I've I've now it's been uh, a month or a month a year since I started Noom. I started right after Halloween last year when I ate a whole bag of Halloween candy. I said I think I have a problem, and it wasn't the crappy stuff. It was a whole bag of those little sh- Snickers, the ones that are about two inches long, and I you know I just eat one, and then uh well hell if I ate one two more isn't going to do anything and then well uh, just one handful how many can i get in my hand five and before i knew it i had eaten the whole bag and i had a whole big ra- pile of wrappers and i felt like crap i felt like crap for hours afterward and i said i have a problem so i got on noom and it changed my relationship with food might do it for you too obviously not for everybody but give it a try uh, nothing wrong with two free weeks and um, if you're lazy like I am, I like uh, Freshly. Com. You can get forty bucks off Freshly. They deliver fresh prepared meals that make eating right super easy. They got some new recipes that we just tried one the other day that we really liked, and uh, it was um, a what the hell? Oh, it was um, shrimp and chicken with sort of a cauliflower. You know, everything's gluten free. But the cauliflower mash was outstanding. I mean, it was so well seasoned, I, I had no idea that's what it was. I'm like, well, they put taters in here. Some of the stuff has potatoes because they're gluten-free too. But this one had cauliflower, and uh, the vegetables were really good. And um, it comes in a tray. You just stick it in the microwave. Now, it's microwave food. OK, so there are limitations to the, some of the things that they can do. But you get about to me, it seems about twice as much as I used to get when I was eating lean cuisines. And it's the quality is way better as far. It's, it's really like it's hand cooked. It's not seem like it's done in a, by a machine. And uh, if you're interested in getting our podcasts uh, archives, go to premium.drsteve.com. I had somebody the other day that was trying to use our RSS feed. Just use the app to go to weird uh, Go to the App Store or Google Play. Get uh, the Weird Medicine app. And when you log in with your username and password after you've uh, established that at premium.drsteve.com, then you can hear all the archives of the show. It's just ninety nine a month. Use the offer code FLUID and get it for uh, half price for three months. You can just download everything and then just quit. And the other thing, though, that you can do is go to drsteve.com, pay me $30 or $20, Uh, $30 will get you a thumb drive. There it is. Right there's one of the thumb drives. (laughs) It's a 32 gig thumb drive with about 17 gigs of content on it. It's got all the riot cast podcasts or for 20 bucks. I'll give you a week to 10 day access to the, um, uh, to my Dropbox that also has the same stuff on it. And then you can just download it. You have to copy it and, and, transfer it though you can't drag it off because then it'll disappear on my side too if you know Dropbox but anyway that's something you can do or just to hell with it just listen to it for free it's totally fine I have the paywall there to keep my employer out of my business (laughs) all right um what have we got today we have talked multiple times on this show about vitamin d and I have always contended look Low vitamin D is associated with a lot of different um, conditions. Low vitamin D is, you know, correlates with increased risk for cancer, for increased risk of heart attack and stroke, and certainly is low vitamin D, chronic low vitamin D, is responsible for rickets. We know that. Now you can prevent rickets by giving someone vitamin D. Can you, though, prevent heart attack, stroke, and cancer by giving someone vitamin D? In other words, is the low vitamin D a cause of these problems, or is it simply a marker for these problems? In other words, person's at high risk for heart attack and stroke, and there's something in their metabolism that uh, you know, results in low vitamin D. And replacing the vitamin D will just simply mask that signal, but it wouldn't actually fix the problem. Does that make sense? So, if uh, let's say the whatever is caught, co- maybe it's the inflammation that's causing the high risk for heart attack and stroke, also causes vitamin D. Well, then replacing the vitamin D isn't going to do anything for that. It's just going to uh, make that marker, that uh, that sort of red flag, disappear trying to think of a good analogy for that i'll i'll think one um yeah okay um well hmm yeah okay maybe this if your car is burning oil and there's smoke coming out of the back putting on a let's say some sort of filter that would reduce the amount of smoke coming out of your exhaust pipe would take care of the outward appearance of the problem, but it wouldn't fix the underlying problem. Um, uh, that's probably the, you know, on the fly, I hadn't really thought about it that much. That's the best analogy I could come from, come up with, but anyway, so you kind of get the idea is vitamin D a marker or a cause uh, of disease. So this is from the, uh, uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, not some crappy journal. It's an editorial. It says vitamin D and health outcomes, subtitled Then, well, wait a minute. Then, no. Then came the randomized clinical trials. Okay. So, anyway, (laughs) that was not worth the time it took for me to do that. Uh, I'm just going to read some of this from uh, with you. Uh, you can just go to jam and search for vitamin D and you can find this, but this is an editorial, but it's, it's based on some recent studies it says not long ago, vitamin D was riding high. and And this was the thing that used to drive me crazy is another article would come out and say, vitamin D is associated with this X disease. Let's say increase in, I don't know, diabetes. I'm just making this up. And then I would get people emailing me, well, you know, do you get it now? You know, what's it going to take for you to recommend vitamin D supplementation? I kept saying, look, you can take vitamin D. There's really no harm in it. You don't want to overtake it because there is a condition called hypervitaminosis D. We won't get into that too much unless you guys are interested. But you can take too much vitamin D. So take a normal amount and bring your level to normal. I have no problem with that. You'll certainly prevent rickets, if not all this other stuff, until we know, you know, maybe it is a cofactor and it would actually improve your outcome. So I don't have a problem with it, but I can't recommend it based on the evidence That and tell people, yes, if you take vitamin D, it's going to prevent heart attack, stroke, and cancer. So anyway... <clears throat> Uh, not long ago, vitamin D was riding high. Beyond its role in calcium homeostasis. Ooh, that just means um, keeping your calcium in line. Uh, homeostasis, basically just regulation. So you're regulating your calcium. It didn't get too high, it get too low. And bone health. Animal studies linked to vitamin D deficiency to uh, numerous chronic illnesses, including high blood pressure, diabetes, autoimmune disorders, and cancer. Uh, Corroborating human observational studies reported associations between vitamin D deficiency and increased risks of high blood pressure, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, autoimmune diseases, and cancer. Right. So correlation is not causation. But the lay press seized on this chorus of observational studies testing of serum, uh, you know, vitamin D levels proliferated. You know, doctors obviously, let's check vitamin D. And supplementation with uh, vitamin D uh, increased significantly. Then came the randomized clinical trials. This is why I want to read this to you guys. Multiple trials have failed to demonstrate significant benefits of vitamin D supplementation. This argues toward the idea that low vitamin D is a marker of disease, not a cause of disease, except for rickets. uh, That's well known that uh, causes rickets what is rickets it's like a bone disease and these kids um google it you can see pic- pictures of rickets uh these kids tend to be bowlegged and stuff like that it's a, uh it's a disease of children that's actually caused by vitamin d deficiency and uh they have uh poor calcification of their bones and their and it softens the bones and distortion of the bones. so uh, you can see why they're bow-legged because when they're standing up, the uh, you know if you had rubber legs they would bow out, and they they kind of have um, rubbery um, bones as far as you know, relatively speaking. But anyway, <clears throat> um, so these multiple trials have failed to show any benefits. For example, vitamin D supplementation compared with placebo failed to reduce high blood pressure in patients with uh, prehypertension. And stage one hypertension, there's two stages of hypertension, there's pre-hypertension stage one and stage two. And pre-hypertension stage one patients, they were um, um, looked at and they didn't um, uh, have any benefit from vitamin D supplementation. High dose monthly oral vitamin D compared with placebo didn't reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease or death. So this is a long-term study where they followed people over a period of time taking this stuff. And when you do these, you've got to control for other things. Like it's not fair if in the vitamin D group everyone is a smoker and in the placebo group nobody's smoking. They need to be matched. So to the best of your ability, within statistical significance. So if you've got 10 smokers in the vitamin D group, you need to have nine or 11 in the other group or, you know, as close to 10 as you can get. And, uh, you need to control for that. Um, and that's hard to do, you know? So you have to have big studies and control for as many variables as you can. And then at the end you say, look, we can control for this, but we don't think that's any big deal. And then somebody can go in later and do that study. Just looking at that one thing. Um, So in the vitamin D and type 2 diabetes trial, the vitamin D supplementation compared with placebo failed to lower the risk of incident type 2 diabetes in patients with pre-diabetes. So they identified people with uh, mildly elevated uh, blood sugars, gave them vitamin D, followed them over time, and they still developed um, diabetes. Uh, The largest vitamin D trial was the vitamin D and omega-3 trial. It was called the VITAL trial. It was randomized. Double blind, placebo controlled. And, um, uh, well, let me see that I, <laughs> oh, a t- clinical trial of 25,871 participants uh, using a two by two factorial design, vital test, whether supplementation with, um, okay, so they had two things in this omega 3s and vitamin D. So they were either, treated with vitamin D or omega-3s or both or placebo. So that would be four things. And uh, they wanted to see if they would reduce reduce the risk of cancer and the composite uh, cardiovascular outcome of heart attack, stroke, or cardiovascular death compared with placebo. And uh, during a median follow-up of 5.3 years... It's a nice long study. Neither vitamin D supplementation nor omega-3 fatty acid supplementation was significantly better than placebo. No, uh, I hit the wrong one. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so uh, in this issue of the Journal of American Medical Association, uh, these authors reported the results of the vital dkd study which was a uh, pre-specified secondary study involving 1300 participants in the vital study so this is a subset of that of that original study we just talked about and they had type 2 diabetes and they agreed to undergo additional testing of kidney function and uh protein uh urinary albumin excretion that's how much protein they're peeing out because you don't want to you know you don't want to pee out your protein you need that to make muscles and stuff Uh, at baseline and two and five years after randomization so in other words they randomized them into uh, two groups and uh, followed them at baseline two years and five years to see what their kidney function was like and the authors tested the hypothesis that supplementation with vitamin D and omega 3 fatty acids would reduce the rate of kidney functional decline in patients with diabetes, because as you know, patients with diabetes are at increased risk of kidney failure. Um, so uh, the primary outcome was change in estimated uh, glomerular for filtration rate. Don't worry about that. That's just um, how the glomeruli, which are the little units that uh, filter in the blood, um, how things get from one side to the other, in other words, from the blood side to the urine side and uh, let's see at baseline the mean uh e g f. r in other words you know the um the arithmetic mean was eighty five don't worry about it. it's milliliters per minute per one point seven three meters squared don't worry about that it just it's just remember the number eighty five point eight 16% of participants had an EGFR less than 60, and 9% had a little bit of protein, and that was greater than 30 uh, milligrams per gram uh, creatinine. The uh, the mean, okay, come on, give me some damn answers here. Uh, okay, by year five, the mean EGFR had declined to 73 uh, from 85. And despite this substantial loss of EGFR, there was no significant difference in the decline between the vitamin D and placebo groups. Or between the omega-3 fatty acid and the placebo groups. Okay, so that kind of sucks. Likewise, no beneficial effects of vitamin D or omega-3 fatty acid supplementation on uh, protein in the urine. And no between-group differences in the secondary composite income, which occurred in 100... What was that? Uh, Let's see. Okay. Uh, Vitamin D is essential for gastrointestinal absorption of calcium. In healthy individuals, vitamin D deficiency jeopardizes uh, calcium regulation. They say homeostasis, but I'll say regulation. And stimulates secondary increases in parathyroid hormone. So... There's this hormone in your um, thyroid glands. There's four of them. It's pretty interesting. So the thyroid is kind of a weird, mushy little gland right at the front of your throat that sort of wraps around the Adam's apple where the voice box is. And uh, they're deep inside that thyroid gland, which is really mushy, kind of the um, consistency of firm jelly. Um, There are four little sub uh, sub glands and uh, those are the parathyroid glands and when parathyroid hormone is excreted um, your, cl- your calcium will go up and when it's not excreted it starts to drift back down again and so people that will have a parathyroid adenoma in other words a benign tumor of the parathyroid gland uh, those things will uh, secrete an increased amount of of parathyroid hormone, and because of that, the patient's calcium goes up and you go, well who cares well okay i I understand you don't hear about calcium so much. you hear about potassium and magnesium and sodium, but you don't hear about calcium that much but um hypercalcemia, which is what that's called can uh, cause a myriad of effects including making people goofy as goofy can be and uh start seeing aliens and throwing bedpans and stuff like that so when we see uh those sorts of behaviors or they can just become profoundly weak particularly in cancer patients we'll check a calcium level if they're elevated we need to treat it so uh so anyway um that's the parathyroid gland uh let's see here um Anything else interesting in here? Yeah. Not really. Oh, here we go. One randomized placebo-controlled trial, coincidentally also called VITAL. It's a different one, VITAL. Um, they had 281 patients suggested a modest anti-proteinuric anti-protein, uh, effect of the activated vitamin D analog which It's not one that I'm familiar with. I'm not even sure if you can buy it over the counter. Uh, let's let's ask Echo if we can. Echo, buy paracalcitol, please.
0: Are you trying to shop for paracalcitol?
2: Yes. I just added paracalcitol. Okay, so apparently you can buy it over the counter. Um, uh, when added to blockers of the renin angiotensin. Oh, geez. Okay, that's. I'm I'm going to get far afield if I go through all of this. Uh, in patients with type two diabetes mellitus and chronic kidney disease, so I'm not advocating you go buy paricalcitol even if you have diabetes. Talk to your diabetologist, your endocrinologist, or your primary care. Uh, other randomized placebo-controlled trials found no beneficial effects of paricalcitol on left ventricular structure. That's be heart structure. That's the beating the, the the chamber of the heart that beats to the the brain and to the rest of the body, the kidneys, the ev- everywhere. Uh, the only place that doesn't beat to directly are the lungs and the right side does that. So, um, Hmm. Okay. Well, it does. Okay. Let me, let me rephrase that. The right side of the heart takes, uh, hypo oxygenated blood and other in other words, blood that has been used and needs oxygen, takes it and pumps it through the pulmonary artery to the lungs, where in the alveoli, which are the little air pockets in the lung, uh, uh, carbon dioxide is exchanged for oxygen. So you get rid of carbon dioxide, that's when you exhale, you have more carbon dioxide, and, and then oxygen that's sitting in those alveoli from you breathing in Is absorbed into the bloodstream, and uh, to do that efficiently, you've got to have a lot of surface area. And so the lungs are just amazing amount of surface area in there because the little alveoli are tiny, and there's bajillions of them. And uh, these, um, so that's what I'm talking about when I'm say primarily pumping there. The the lungs themselves actually need a blood supply, and so there are arteries that supply the lungs with, with. Oxygenated blood that they can use. But anyway. All right. So that's enough of that. Uh what what, the take home from this is fine to take vitamin D. I have no problem with it. It's good for calcium homeostasis, it prevents rickets. There may be some benefits that we're not aware of, but they apparently are not huge or we would know about them. Um does not appear to be the panacea that we hoped for when we found that low vitamin D levels were correlated with all these conditions we were really hoping that it would be as simple as that as just give people vitamin d and these things would uh would go away but that doesn't appear to be the case now this was looking at things other than um uh, the vital trial was not looking at um uh cancer But, oh, no, yes, it was, too. The original VITAL trial was looking at the risk of cancer and cardiovascular composite outcomes. So, yeah, even that. So, you know, if you want to avoid cancer, do your screening, catch it early, and prevent cancer by avoiding repeated exposure to cancer-causing toxins, if I may use that word, as much as I eschew that word, um, in this case, it's appropriate, like nitrosamines. Those are things found in charred meat. So, uh, if you grill every single day, you may increase your risk of heart attack and stroke. The big one, of course, is tobacco, uh, avoiding uh, tobacco. And if you can't quit, call in and we'll walk you through it. Because, Scott, I know I used to smoke three packs a day pretty sure scott used to dip if i remember correctly and he had a hard time quitting so you'd think that would be that's would be the most noxious thing it'd be so easy to quit but it's not so it just shows what uh, what the human body can get used to but uh those are the big ones and get your colonoscopy done Um, get your kids vaccinated for hpv causing um, or hpv derived cancers like penile cancer Uh, cervical cancer rectal cancer and head and neck cancers those are big ones and uh you know if you uh, work in an asbestos mine absolutely don't smoke because that quadruples your risk of getting lung cancer okay all right so there you go um last time we talked about the reaction between bleach and ammonia and we were just kind of talking about i can't remember what brought it up but uh sodium hypochlorite when mixed with ammonia uh can release chlorine gas as well as chloramines and some other things like that so it's naughty naughty to do that and uh but it can happen you know if you're using a um easily obtained vinegar or vinegar or ammonia containing cleaner on your let's say on your table and then you follow it up with a bleach containing um cleaner and the two things mix because they're still wet, uh, you can release some of these toxic gases. Now for the most part, I and I said for the most part, these things tend to be more irritating than deadly in the sense that I mean, it doesn't feel good. I've I've took a whiff of it myself, uh, in a closed environment. It was pretty scary. But I got out and I was okay. It didn't it didn't um Uh, It didn't uh, do any permanent damage. But like everything else, if you are in an enclosed environment or if you get a huge dose of this stuff, then, of course, it can be toxic to you and even deadly. So uh, this is a story out of Burlington, Massachusetts. A worker at um, a, a local wing place in Burlington died from injuries, suffered in a chemical incident at the restaurant on Thursday evening, this is from WCVB, I guess a TV station in, uh, in Massachusetts. Um, the incident happened sometime before 6 p.m. at the location, and investigators said they were called to the restaurant after receiving a report of a chemical reaction in the kitchen area. Authorities said the employee was exposed to a strong cleaning agent and was suffering from nausea. It is believed that he was breathing in fumes from the cleaning agent. He was rushed to lay into this hospital and later died at the hospital. The restaurant was evacuated following the accident or the incident. A total of 10 victims, including employees and customers, checked themselves into the hospital for evaluation with difficulty breathing and eye irritation. The uh, interim fire chief said one worker who first prepared the floor to be clean was immediately exposed to the chemical but quickly left the area to get fresh air. Uh, the gentleman that passed away was an employee of this wing place who attempted to squeegee the product out of the building when he was overcome. Now, what this says to me, I wasn't there. I don't know a lot of the details, but um, if he's trying to squeezy, squeegee it out of the building, they had a spill. There was either a lot of it on the floor. And it says anyone at the restaurant at the time believes they may be impacted should seek medical treatment immediately. Uh, they said the chemical used was sodium hypochlorite. Now. They said someone prepared the floor. So did that person use um, an ammonia-based floor cleaner? I don't know. And then they had a spill of bleach over the floor, and then this thing reacted, and it released um, uh, chloramines and chlorine gas. And this guy was trying to doing his best to uh, protect everybody by squeegeeing it out and getting it the heck out of there, and he took the, the ultimate hit. Um, it's tragic. Um, so I'm just gonna, I, this may not save anybody's life out there, but if you are in an environment where you're smelling something chemical like that, and it's not normal, just get the hell out of there until somebody with a respirator can get there and go in and clean it up. Don't try to do it yourself. And even if you think you're going to get in trouble because you were the one that spilled it, it's better for you to be in a little bit of trouble because accidents happen than, uh, for you to, um, Um, Make the ultimate sacrifice now please don't um uh just run the hell out of there though if there's other people at risk let them know Some run around to the front of the restaurant and tell everybody get the hell out of here something bad's happening in the back but uh definitely save yourself and uh you know we see this a lot with um uh, in airplanes when the masks come down and you're supposed to put the mask over yourself before you do it for the kid. And and it seems weird, like, you know, usually our, our instinct is to save the kid first. And, you know, uh, I'll put my mask on later. First, I need to uh, save the kid. But really, you're doing them a disservice. Because if, let's say, you're three seconds away from succumbing, And, um, you put the thing on the kid and it takes you four seconds to do. And the kid is, I don't know, two and doesn't know what the hell's going on. Um, you don't get it on. You succumb. Now the kid doesn't have the mask. They succumb and there isn't going to be a flight attendant running around trying to make sure everybody's masks on because they got to have their mask on too. So put it on yourself First and then even if the kid passes out because it took you 5 seconds and they're going to succumb in 3 they're not dead just put the the mask on when they they're still breathing they're just not able to get enough oxygen to their brain then put the mask on them and then both of you will live okay instead of neither of you okay very important all right that's all i've got for today do you guys have anything if you do give us a call 347-766-4323 Leave a voicemail. I'll get to it. Uh, usually I'll uh, uh, try to uh, text you back. And I thought if we have enough time today, we will take some random phone calls from the voicemail bank because I haven't had a chance today to uh, download them. All right. Let's see what we got here. i in a coma for a month and a half. Oh, wait. We answered this question before. Okay. Um, let's try this one
0: or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Let's
2: try this one.
3: That's a new uh, message there, Dr. Steve. Anyways, uh, this is Phil. If you get a chance, I was uh, wondering. I had watched something on uh Uh, Anthony Cumia Network about your practice care, which I've always known about, but I never dawned on me. I mean, you kind of deal with situations where you have to see, you know, older uh, people pass away. I was always wondering how do you numb yourself from that or deal with that, you know? Um,
2: Uh, He's got more to this question, but the first answer is don't numb yourself to it. Because I don't think that's possible. And if you did numb yourself to it, then you're going to be a numb, unfeeling robot. And I don't think that's the way to go about it. Let me see what the rest of his question is.
3: It's like a vet having to euthanize a, a cat or a dog or whatever. Um, I always wondered, you know, how do you deal with that? I know it gets probably numbing, but just wondered how you...
2: No, um... I don't think I've ever been numb to it. I get You get accustomed to it. Now, look, you guys are going to make fun of me. It's fine. Um, but I feel I was called to um, doing uh, hospice care. And when you're called to do something, if you don't do it, Well, ask Jonah, you end up in the belly of a fish, right? But, (laughs) you know, if you don't do it, you're going to feel this hole in your life all the time. So I was called to do it. So that makes it a little easier for me. If someone tried to force themselves to do it and they didn't have the heart for it, I could see it being a real problem for them. Um, Yeah, death and dying. I think one of the reasons I did it was because um, uh, I was dealing with my own mortality And, uh, that's one thing. The other thing is, is there was, I don't want to get too heavy. You know, my mom had the worst death that I've ever seen and I never wanted anybody else's mom to go through what my mom went through. So when we had the one lecture on end of life care in my seven years of medical training, I really paid attention and I made it my goal to, to try to, uh, ease suffering, particularly at the end of life and make sure that nobody is, um, uh, suffering, as I said, like my mom did. And I also saw the value of it through another uh, episode that happened in my training. And uh, uh, it, it's just a long story. And I cry every time I tell the story 35 years later. So I will beg your um, indulgence in letting me not tell that story. But there was just another thing that happened in my training that made me realize that uh, there's, more to uh, medical care than just prescribing pills for high blood pressure. And um, of course, that's an oversimplification, but we got away from really paying a lot of attention to symptom management and quality of life, particularly in the 80s. In the 80s, all this stuff was happening, you know, swan Gans catheters and, And, uh, new antibiotics and new medications to keep the heart pumping and new procedures to, to keep the heart pumping and new chemotherapy agents. It was the sort of the emergence of modern chemotherapy was just starting. And, uh, I remember I had a, um, uh, a chief resident and he was one of these guys that was just really into, um, Short-term outcomes, I guess, is one. It, he would not characterize it that way, but that's the way I saw it. For example, we had a lady who um, whose blood pressure was 70 over nothing. She was mottled. Uh, her temperature was 104. We were all on rounds together, and uh, her uh, uh, potassium was 6. Now, she was obviously actively dying, but her potassium was 6. So uh, he barks out these orders, you know, do this, do that, do some calcium, do some Lasix, k all these things. And he barked out all these orders, and then we went on our way. Well, that afternoon, we came back for afternoon rounds, and we got her potassium. It was down to four. And he starts, you would think, I mean, just imagine Rocky at the end of Rocky Two um or the the statue of Rocky a, in Philadelphia that's a better example that's what he looked like he was yes yes and pump, pumping his fists in the air and strutting up and down in the ICU you know whoa you know we we rule and all this kind of stuff and i'm like even then i'm like dude look at this patient um of course she you know she died the next day and uh all of this did nothing but he was merely looking at a number on a piece of paper and that's the thing that's to me those are the people who are numb and are, are the ones that see patients as numbers on a piece of paper you have to look at the whole patient that's why it's good to do uh, home visits because you're not seeing your patients in a vacuum in our environment you're seeing them in their environment and you can learn a lot from seeing them in their environment likewise when you're doing a depression screen, you can hand them a, you can have your nurse hand them a piece of paper and have a mark on it, or you can ask the questions yourself and when you ask for the medical students and doctors who still have somewhat of an open mind that are out there listening um if you ask the questions yourself, it takes yeah it takes a minute longer for your visit, but you gather so much it, um valuable information from watching the patient. Uh, Answer these questions and how they say it, what they say. Do they avoid the question when you ask it as opposed to just circling a number on a piece of paper on a bunch of, you know, nine or 25 questions or whatever uh, uh, instrument that you're using? So um, uh, and, and so don't become numb to this. I'm never numb to it. It doesn't break me up. You know what breaks me up? I'll tell you what breaks me up: are uh, kids that are going through this, and uh, people's um, families who, particularly, that have kids that are watching an older loved one pass away with, without any understanding um, breaks me up. When people uh, get to the end of their life and they never discussed with anybody what they wanted did would they want life support would they want cpr would they want to be shocked and the families are just you know in chaos not knowing what to do because that was never discussed so i'm going to take this opportunity just for a second to advocate to all of you um that you do a living will now you say well i'm 25 why do i need a living will uh or you know i'm not dying what do i need a living will for I want you to remember Terry Shivo. Terry Schiavo was 24 year old woman had a uh, stroke and she was in a persistent vegetative state, which is a form of coma. It's one where you have normal week or week sleep wake cycles, but you're still unresponsive and she was unresponsive and uh, her husband after some period of time felt that um, she would not want her life to continue this way. Now you can impugn his, his, um, motives if you want to, there are people that do. Uh, but you know, he argued that a reasonable person would not want to be kept alive in this situation with no hope of ever recovering and that she was one of those people that didn't want that. So he, uh, wanted to pull her tube, Well, her parents, and understandably, it's their kid. I get it. They said, "No, no, she would want it." Uh, they, you know, she she would want to be kept alive. Now, um, the husband um, goes to take the tube out. The parents uh, get a judge to uh, stop them from doing that. He goes and gets another judge to allow him to do it. And I think this thing went back and forth a couple of times. In the meantime, she's on CNN. MSNBC, Fox News, regular networks, day in and day out for months. And you know, as a 24-year-old woman, she would have been mortified to know that her face was plastered over the TV day in and day out like that. Uh, Congress even got into the act. And um, eventually, uh, the husband prevailed. They pulled the tube, and uh, she passed away sometime after that. Now, what what's the point of this story if Terry Shivo, 24-year-old woman had had a living will. We never would have heard of her. You can also call it an advanced directive, but an adv- a living will is a form of advanced directive, so I like using the more precise term. Uh, it, we never would have heard of her because a living will is it's not the same thing as a will. A will has to do with after you die. A living will has to do with everything before you die. And it would have said, yes, I want tube feedings, or no, I don't. Now, there are several types of living will. Some of them are more comprehensive. And if you guys are interested, I can send you living wills. Just email me. Just go to drsteve.com and click contact. I'll send you uh, blank living wills you can fill out. Um, there's a bunch of them. Uh, the one in Tennessee is very comprehensive and very precise, but it's complex in its in its... Um, or in its logic, or at least relatively so. Uh, however, in Virginia, Virginia models its living will after a lot of the ones the attorneys do that say, if two of my physicians agree that I'm terminally ill and the um, continuation of artificial nutrition or hydration or, um, or uh, medical interventions would serve merely to prolong the dying process, then I authorize the withholding or withdrawal of such services, blah, 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 stuff like that. Um, that's, that's a pretty narrow, uh, circumstance, uh, but, but it's functional. It, it would have worked in Terry Shivo's case if her physician had said, yeah, yeah she's never going to get better. And just continuing, this is just continuing the dying process. Well, anyway, uh, there are other ones that say, look, if I'm in a permanent coma and I'm never going to going to uh, improve that i authorize no tube feedings that's a little more precise a little would have been an easier one for the husband uh in terry's case if she had had one like that if that was indeed what she wanted uh for him to argue that uh there wasn't any question that she wouldn't want to be kept alive like this so anyway uh talk to your attorney but uh I'm just gonna throw this out, and this is no shade on the attorneys out there. This is really a medical document. It really should be done by medically trained professionals rather than legally trained professionals but uh there look there's some attorneys out there that are really good at doing these, and there's some doctors that are really, really shitty at it so uh if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer these questions anytime and you can call them in to it we can talk about them here four two three uh no what is it that's not right it's um three four seven um, seven, six, six, four, three, two, three. I know there was four, two, three in there somewhere three, four, seven, seven, six, six, four, three, two, three, or go to drsteve.com. Click contact. Just ignore the warnings. Make sure you put your email in correctly, because if you don't, I have no way of uh, emailing you back. Um, so, uh, yes. So everyone needs a living will. You need one. If you're listening to this, you need one. The only ones that really don't need them are minors, and their parents are their power of attorney by default. Now the other cool thing about an uh, an advanced directive like this you can determine in advance who's going to make decisions for you. So let me make this recommendation that you not uh do the, make this a political decision. In other words, you got four kids, but the um oldest one you know you don't think will follow your wishes and you don't think they'll understand what it is that you really want, and you think that they'll make you do things when you're not able to fight for yourself that you wouldn't want, and yet you want to make them um, your primary decision-maker on this forum because they're your oldest, and if you don't, they'll get mad. Don't do it for that. Come up with an excuse. Say, well, I just didn't want to burden you with this. I thought that your brother would be uh, 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 you know, better able to... Uh, uh, follow my wishes or whatever you have to say to them or you know you're a crank and i'm i'm not doing it but i don't want you doing stuff to me that i don't want (laughs) because there is a whole lot we can do to somebody at the end of their life that isn't really doing anything for them um and uh, we just want to do things to you and we don't want to i mean we (laughs) dang it we just want to do stuff for you we don't want to do stuff to you um with regard to uh code blue for example You have an 18-year-old basketball player, prime of their life, and they keel over on the basketball court and they die. Tragedy when it happens. We would do CPR. In other words, we would do chest compressions. We would break the ribs. We would shock them. We'd take a big tube that's about an inch in diameter and shove it down their throat into their trachea, you know, right above the lungs to breathe for them and put them on life support. The odds that that 18-year-old basketball player is going to survive is only 15%. That's to survive to walk out of the hospital. Um, So if you throw in a couple of medical problems in a couple of years, that 15 drops to 10, drops to 5, drops to 1, gets vanishingly close to zero. And the closer to zero it gets, the more likely it is we're going to end up on the machines forever if by some miracle they're able to get our heart started up again. So if that's something you'd like to avoid, you can just specify that, that you wouldn't want that particularly on your living will if you say if i'm in a coma or i'm permanently confused or i'm um uh, what's it, permanently dependent that's my big one you know if my wife has to uh change my you know change my diaper and has to feed me and all this stuff and i can't do anything i don't want to be kept alive artificially you know some states will have a rule that says you can't Uh, withhold artificial nutrition and hydration so you get around that by saying well we're going to offer comfort feedings we will allow uh the person to eat if they want and drink if they want but we're just not going to uh do it via tubes so all right so there you go there's your uh yeah thanks dude for uh, calling in about death and dying nothing more hilarious than a death and dying talk and dr steve's uh um experiences uh treating uh, the terminally ill, okay all right let's see if we get something else. okay that one is not supported. oh, I know why um, this this person sent this in as a um a different kind of file the, the dude that called in about scabies that sent me the audio file I'll get it on next week. sorry, all right.
3: I got a quick question for you. I got my flu shot today, but before the lady stuck me with the needle, she said, "Oh, I gotta find a way around your tattoo. Can you not get a shot through a tattoo?" Thank you.
2: Yeah, sure you can. Um, That really shouldn't be a problem. Uh, Both uh, intramuscular and subcutaneous vaccines can be given through a tattoo, um, and, uh, really should not be an issue. So I'm not sure why I I think, look, there's, um, you guys are familiar with the Torah, right? And then there's the Talmud. So the Torah is the, the central book, um, of, you know, the, what the Christians call the old Testament, uh, you know, five first five books of the quote unquote Old Testament, and then you've got the Talmud, which was commentaries about the Torah and other things like that. You know, uh, interpreting law and stuff like that. Sort of, and then they eventually wrote it down. So you you have this sort of parallel book, and the, in medicine we have the same thing. I'm just making an analogy uh, that we have what is documented scientific stuff. And then we have this sort of oral history that is passed down from doctor to doctor verbally or nurse to nurse or doctor to nurse or whatever. One of these that I encounter all the time is that morphine is absorbed through the um, mucosa of the mouth. So if you have someone that can't swallow, you can just put morphine in their mouth and it'll be absorbed through the uh, mucous membranes of the mouth. It's complete falsehood. It still has to be swallowed. The only reason that it works at all is because those people eventually swallow it. Now, if they've got a complete obstruction of their esophagus and they're just drooling constantly and it never hits the stomach, then it won't work. And uh, this has been demonstrated time and time again. But still, it's passed down from provider to provider. Oh, yeah, you can just do this. And it's complete BS, okay? So it's sort of this parallel oral history, in this case, BS. Um, And maybe the same thing in this is that that nurse was told by a nurse who was told by a nurse who was told by another nurse who was maybe told by a doctor you know in the 1800s don't stick a needle through a tattoo and it's still being passed down but that should be okay i'm fine with not messing up my tattoo with the even a tiniest scar so yeah it's fine work around it i don't have a problem with that but you can do it um whether you should is a whole nother thing all right
3: Hey, Dr. Steve, I was listening to your recent, um, podcast on lucid dreaming.
2: Okay. Yeah. We were talking about lucid dreaming and how to, uh, um, initiate same, and I've still not had much luck with it. Of course I forget about it every night I go to bed, but anyway.
3: Uh, I have this happen to me very regularly. Um, sometimes as much as once or twice a week. Um, and then it might go away for a little while and then come back and happen regularly again. Um, it's very fleeting. It only lasts for maybe a minute or what feels like a minute or so in my dream. Uh, I will quite literally be able to say it to myself and be conscious of, oh, I'm dreaming. That's and cool. Um,
2: the question is now, what I would ask him if he were here, so you, you know you're dreaming, you're in your dream and you say, I'm dreaming. Can you now say, now I want to fly or I want to have intercourse with that? Person over there, or whatever. That's that's what I'm interested in is being able to live in this world where I am basically able to create my own reality.
3: Be able to walk around in it. Interestingly, though, uh, I still feel bound by the same um,
2: rules of the. Yeah, isn't that crazy? These stupid dream world rules. The the same stupid dream world rules where I can't ever have sex with anybody in a dream. If I get even close, then I wake up. Bullshit, stupid dream world.
3: World, I guess you could say, or physics. It's not as if I can go outside and jump up into the sky and fly around like a bird.
2: Well, what good is it then? Oh, I'm dreaming, but I'm still stuck here. How is it that gravity works in a dream? I had a dream the other day that one of my kids fell out of a, of a hot air balloon. It was horrifying. This wasn't a dream. It was a nightmare. And I'm telling you, the the image of him falling, of course, he landed and he was fine, which is great because it was a dream. Um modeled really the the uh, laws of physics. I mean he was accelerating as he fell. Uh, I couldn't measure it to tell you it was 10 meters per second per second, but it sure looked like it. Uh, it's quite interesting how that stuff's ingrained in our heads. Uh,
3: it doesn't work like that. Um, uh, like I said it's very quick, but I am conscious of when I am dreaming.
2: That is cool as hell. Uh, I'd like to talk about this more again. give us a call three, four, seven, seven, six, six, four, three, two, three. If you have lucid dreaming or sleep paralysis, I'd like to get that trucker duty thing going again. I had a, uh, trucker, um, approach me on, uh, Twitter and she's quite attractive. So I would, uh, I was trying to think of an excuse and uh, to have her on. And then I thought about the trucker duty things and nothing hotter than, you know, a gorgeous, um, over the road, um, uh, Trucker talking about taking a jump in a Walmart bag, so we'll see how that goes um I wanted to play something for you guys, and i I'm not really ready to play it all yet, and I don't think uh he wants me to play it either, but Dave Cecil was in the studio recently, and we're doing a demo for him for a um i guess it's another singer songwriter con competition or something like that, and he had a song that he did many years ago, and he never released because he had somebody else sing it and he was never happy with it so uh i'm gonna just play you i'll, I'll play you some, and i'll have to talk during it so that you guys you know every once in a while so that you know oh there's big joe let's see what big joe's got going on today big joe you're on weird medicine are you there well never mind let's see if she calls back um anyway uh so he came up and we did a demo you all may not be aware but i i have the podcast part of the recording studio but we also do regular music on the other side i don't play a lot of it over here i get people complaining that we're doing music that's why i do it at the very end uh so you can tune out if you want to but uh if go to our youtube channel and it's um youtube.com slash lobster johnson i think it's l-o-b-s-t-a johnson all one word or just put dr steve dave cecil see if that works and uh We had him in the studio. He did an outstanding job. I thought I did a pretty good job recording him live. And uh, you don't have to listen to my blabbering. You can just go to the comment section and then click on the links that I put in there just so that you can just hear the songs. But uh, check him out. And then uh, here's his new song. It's called Running That Shine. It's not actually a new song, but it's just we're redoing it. And uh, this is nothing more than the guitar... And his vocal and some effects. So in the middle, there will be a uh, um, a dobro solo or something. And there will be bass and uh, maybe a fiddle. Maybe. We'll see. Um, um, but we'll. Uh, this is just the early sketch. But I'm very happy with how it turned out. And um, let's see what you think.
1: Time with each tick of the clock means a dime. It don't matter that they say I'm a wanted to find when I cross that borderline, running that shine.
2: Listening to Dave Cecil on Weird Medicine.
1: Rumor has it, Sheriff's got my plate. Breaking his lawns it's me, he does hey. He sets up them roadblocks day after day. I vow he will catch me, but I'm miles away. Cause I'm running these back roads on time. With each tick of, Clock means a dime. It don't matter if they say I'm a wanted to find when I cross that borderline, running at shine. Wanna change my way from bad to good, start living. Way
2: that I All right, this is where the solo kicks in, and that's where I'm going to leave you. I'm gonna always leave them wanting more. So we'll play the rest of the song when it's finished, and we'll have Dave in the studio. We got really good response to him being here before, so uh, uh, you guys have a great week. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, get some exercise, and see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Late
1: one night came the fight. share on my tail. 125 per hour. Hear me, don't fail. Why? Wow.